Let's record. Okay. Welcome to everybody that's uh, joined this uh, conversation on Facebook. This is Grant Cameron, wherever you are in the world. Welcome. Uh, today is November the 25th. It's actually Christmas Day. We're a, a month early. I get the honor today to talk to the editor of the Liber Liberation Times, Chris Sharp. And if you uh, haven't been there, go to his website right now. Um, I'm sort of calling him the James Bond of UFO, uh, UAP Disclosure. Uh, you'll hear as, right away as to what's actually happened. And I think Steve Bassett is probably now trying to figure out where he's going to erect the statue. I mean, fantastic work. Uh, Chris, all the way from uh, London, England. And I'm sure that you've got a lot of, you know, I've seen this, people have already started to attack you for, for your position here. And uh, so I'm, I'm sure you got your hands full, you've got a family, and you probably got uh, endless leads that you have to uh, uncover from people that are contacting you after this big article you wrote. And you probably uh, have to review all sorts of high salary jobs on your desk now from Lockheed and Boeing and Battelle that you've got to look at and figure out what you're going to do. But welcome, Chris. Thank you for joining me. I'm just honored to uh, we set up this interview before you did your big article. And so uh, it just sort of worked out. And I thought this was absolutely fantastic that I got to interview you right after this major article that you did called Republican Leadership Takes Acts to UFO Transparency Legislation. And this is on your uh, uh, Liberation Times uh, site. People should go there. They should read the article. It's fairly long. It's in depth. And it hits everything. We, I had little bits and pieces. Most people did. You took it all and put it all in one article. So uh, welcome. And uh, let's get to your, uh, your article. We don't need your background, but we need your, your article. Uh, talk about what has happened. Because I think the... the um, the article, the last I saw, had 700,000 plus hits on it. So this is uh, probably more people than are going to watch this video, but uh, <laughs> you've, you've really hit the mark. And I, I noticed that one of the other disclosure, um, I think from the um, one of the aerospace uh, uh, sites had 900,000 hits. So disclosure is, is blown up. Uh, uh, we've, we've got things are happening at an incredible rate. And people are phoning uh, Congress. They're inundating them with phone calls, jamming up the phones. Uh, this is a major issue, and you are right on top of this. So welcome, and let's get to uh, what has happened. Sort of review your article uh, and the work you've been doing on disclosure, and uh, maybe what's happened. Or review the article and tell us what you, you came up with. Sure, sure. Thank you so much for having me on, Grant. It's such an honor to be on with you. Thank you. Um, you've always been ahead of the curve yourself. So uh, thank you for all the dedication and hard work that you've done. Um, yes, I, I think it's exploded, like partially because we've had a presidential candidate on the Republican side um, who's actually retweeted the article um, named, um, I'm going to totally ruin his name, but Vivek. Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy. Um, oh, okay, good. So, um, so he's retweeted it. So, um, that's Did he make any comment on it? Any positive or negative comment on it? Yeah, he basically just said, "The question is why." Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, he's well, a super rich, super rich guy. They with lots of money and very outspoken, and uh, it's interesting. I saw, I saw that. I didn't really pick it up. I saw you had retweeted that, but. Uh, Fantastic. So you, you're getting some attention from uh, all sorts of circles, I imagine. You're probably getting all sorts of phone calls from from, <laughs> from people. 
Absolutely, absolutely. So what's really happened is we've had like a Thanksgiving ambush here. And the same thing happened like two years ago with the um, Gillibrand Ruby Amendment for extensive UAP language. Um, key parts when you look in hindsight were taken out of that language, such as an independent scientific group. And then you had the um, affiliation with um, the Office of the Undersecretary of Defence for Intelligence and Security. Those ultimately killed what the language was meant to do from the Gillibrand Rubio Amendment. I remember sources of mine basically saying at the time that, you know, it would die of a thousand cuts um, within that office. So um, I think we're seeing a similar tactic used this time uh, by um, uh, basically Republicans. And I'm guessing that they've got a big axe to grind. I think there's some influence um, perhaps with... Um, private aerospace companies. Um, I don't know that there may be some influence by intelligence agencies as well, um, because a lot of these players have a lot to lose because they've been lying. And frankly, what they've been doing for the past few decades is, a, you know, illegal <laughs> if everything that I'm hearing is true. Uh, so, yeah, what, what's happened is basically they, um, so Mike Turner, he seemed to have gone quiet and we thought he had laid down his arms basically in terms of the pose posing the UAP language. So Mike Turner is the um, chair of the House um, Intelligence Committee. So we thought he'd like, yeah, he's put down his arms. Brilliant. Real good now. But what he'd actually done is he had gone behind the scenes and he had escalated the issue to the <laughs> to the leader, the, the Republican minority leader of the, um, the, the Senate. Um, and the Republican majority leader of the House. So we're talking uh, Senator Mitch McConnell and um, we're talking Representative Mike Johnson here, um, who's been newly elected to the House. Uh, so basically, with their weight behind it in opposing this language, it, uh, the situation currently looks bleak. Um, I mean, they either want to withdraw the language completely or hollow it out, so it would be meaningless. And we're talking the UAP Disclosure Act, um, which was um, provided by Senators um, Schumer, Chuck Schumer, the leader of the Senate, and um, Senator Rounds. And, um, yeah, it basically, it, it would make the language meaningless. It would take away the... Um, disclosure or review board the review board basically so it would consist of nine members um you know you'd have an economist you'd have um a theologian um a sociologist um and other like national security experts and stuff on this review panel who would decide what you would kind of um disclose before taking it for recommendation to the president of the united states and this is um, a panel under the president right the president yeah. would appoint the panel so where we've gotten to the highest job in the in the country in terms of the and and explain who turner is for uh like why he would you see a bunch of republicans lining up but why why republicans blocking this thing and why turner especially i mean there's all kinds of rumors swirling around in terms of that obviously he is the representative of um, dayton ohio and representing right past an air force base if you go online um you can actually find a uh, an image of him and uh, Neil McCasland um, at a ribbon wow. cut ceremony <laughs> at um, Wright Patterson. Um, and McCasland, yeah. for people that, that that don't know, McCasland was one of the three uh, key people that was feeding Tom DeLong material. 
that that's i didn't know that that's fascinating yeah yeah so um i think i approached it because when i started hearing rumors that he was going to be made chair of the um uh the senate intelligence Inter committee uh no sorry the house intel committee um uh uh, you know, I thought, wow, this this guy could be potentially our guy. You know, he's been pictured with McCaslan. Maybe he he's been speaking with other top brass from Brett Patterson Air Force Base. Maybe, you know, this is our guy, you know, to push things forward. But um, he just ended up being the complete opposite. And, I mean, you, you saw that straight away when, um, you know, the Intelligence Authorization Act. So the Intelligence Authorization Act this year, there was actually UAP language from that as well. That still remains intact, by the way. So that would provide an amnesty period, for instance, for aerospace contractors of around three months after it's passed by the president. Um, so it's an amnesty um, period, basically, so that you know, if there's any wrongdoing or anything like that, they've done any criminal activity, be an amnesty. As long as you come forward, um, give us the goods, <laughs> um, admit, admit what you've got, you'll be forgiven for any crimes you've committed. Um, so that's still on its way to pass currently to my understanding but anyhow so the senate intelligence committee had put in that language to the intelligence authorization act but when you looked at the um the house version there was no uap language at all mentioned in it and i think that really gave you um poor support thinking gosh like it just seems that this committee just is not interested by the uap issue and um i think that's disturbing from many angles I mean, even if you're a Republican national security hawk, you want to know what's in your skies. You know, like not all UAPs, potentially non-human intelligence. We're also talking, as we well know, about Chinese surveillance activities um, and other, you know, potential threats in the skies as well. So it makes sense that you want to identify what's in your skies so then you can start categorizing them, you know. And um, the fact that he just wasn't interested in that, I mean, that sets up all kind of, kinds of alarm bells and um so he's basically gone out of his way to oppose this language he's escalated it to leadership and um now it just looks really really bleak and i think um but i would add though that there's still some levers to pull and those behind the scenes who are advocating for um this disclosure process i mean they're ready for the fight you know and i, and I think we could expect Lots of fireworks, perhaps beginning next week. Um, and Steve you know, Bassett talked about a three-week period. What's the three-week period? What's that? Sorry, uh, Steve Bassett has talked about a three-week period for us to get on the phones and to fight. What's the three-week period? Do you have you got a sense of that? I mean, it depends what source you speak to. I mean, the sources that I've spoken to are basically painting. Some are painting a very, very bleak picture, basically saying it's too late now. All we can do is think about the aftermath. And then other sources are basically telling me that, look, we've only got a few days now to influence this process. Um, and look, we've got the Senate returning um, to session from recess on Monday. And then we've got the House returning to session on the next day as well. So this is when you're going to have, you know, the likes of Tim Burchett going in there and tapping um, the House leader on the shoulder saying, what the hell are you doing? I thought I had your assurances that you were going to support UAP language. That's when you'll start having those conversations. Um, you know, and, and it's quite good that you're having a Republican presidential candidate retweeting this article as well. Um, and hopefully it's reaching more Republicans who are ready to kind of like lead the fight back. 
Um, because as we know, this transcends transcends political parties. You know, you've got Republicans and Democrats who are for this language. But you basically have these four Republicans that are putting the the gears. And 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 Gresh, talk a little bit about David Gresh because he's the one that identified uh, Turner and Rogers. And and you talked about Rogers and his background. Talk about Mike Rogers and and he's one of the people that's opposing this and was outed by um, David Gresh as being the two main opponents fighting this thing. Yeah, yeah. So so Rogers is the um, he's the chair of the Armed Services. Um, committee um, in in the House. And um, I mean, he's another person, if you look him up, he's seen as the best friend of like the defense industry. I mean, that kind of makes sense to you that, you know, they find they find a friend and ally, they, um, they promote them, they lobby for them to get key positions in <laughs> committees such as that. And um, then they basically do their bidding. Um, and I mean, this guy um, is a representative, I believe, Someone might want to correct me, but I believe he's from Alabama. Yep. And um, that's quite close in terms of where where his um, constituency is based to Huntsville, which obviously we know has like a thriving <laughs> defense um, uh, footprint. Um, and there's lots of ties as well to the UAP topic as well. People that are based there. So I, I, I think here what, what we're seeing here is we are seeing potential interests who don't want this information out basically putting pressure on both chairs, basically, and uh, saying we don't want this out. And then, you know, both of these uh, representatives, you know, who are very, very experienced in the House, um, you know, basically showing that they can get things done, such as escalating this issue and blocking language. I mean, if you look at, you know, some of our advocates who are absolutely brilliant, by the way, you know, look at Tim Burchett, look at Paulina um, Luna. Um, they're very, very new in terms of representatives. You know, they're, they're not <laughs> you know they don't know how to navigate like these chairs you know these committees so um it, it's quite difficult and they're proving that they are very very difficult to um to overcome at this point you know they do wield a lot of power unfortunately so um it's a difficult situation that we find ourselves in at the moment and um i mean th this this basically gives the hand to other nations as well what i have heard from sources is that um, it potentially gives the baton to China. It gives the baton to to, to Russia. And um, I mean, if they were to disclose information like this, it would be a diplomatic coup, uh, a propaganda coup as well. And also, you know, it could um, it could um, spark lots of um, you know, it, it could spark economic growth basically in their economies as well by actually disclosing this. Imagine if China was to disclose this kind of information and all of a sudden, you know, you can open it up to, you know, more more people to look at, engineers, scientists, and all of a sudden China can, you know, be one step ahead of the US <laughs> in terms of developing this technology, you know, that that's serious implications. So by doing this, you know, Turner and um and Rogers may actually be hurting um, Western interests as well in terms of um, military and defense and safety of people. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's very, very serious, the situation is. And I believe that China and Russia, I mean, if you read between the lines, obviously we're talking about very, very closed regimes here, but if you read between the lines, you know, you've seen that China had its own kind of um, UAP task force set up. I think they call it unidentified um, weather 
or atmospheric conditions they refer to them as um but they they've kind of got their own uap um task force at the moment and um i think it also if you read between the lines you, i mean you can see that um xi jinping um the leader of china he's basically um he he's basically sacked a lot of senior um staff within his rocket forces recently and um other high up generals and stuff and you know what about if this was uap related potentially you just don't know maybe they've been hiding things from him in terms of military leaders um and also you may remember as well in 2019 there were these two events that were held between russia and china um on the topic of uap um uh, one in china um one of the chinese cities and the other in moscow and you had cosmonauts you had economic leaders um ufologists from both nations and you're thinking to yourself wait a moment like um why would they be able to hold a uap event in china who sanctioned that well the government nothing ever happens in china without the government basically telling them that they can do it um and, you know, this is how the ISA basically came about um, in terms of, you know, um, Paolo Guzzardi, um and Project Titan or what they've got, basically. Well, that all originated from these Chinese um, events and, and Russian events, basically, because the plan was to eventually kind of like work something up and take it to the United Nations. And, the, you know, the likes of, you know, um, Gary Hasseltine, and um and paolo you know th those guys were brought together by the chinese by the russians to kind of like kind of get disclosure through the united nations um but then all of a sudden that kind of effort mysteriously fell away and um those guys never ever heard from the chinese ever again um so i mean if you read between the lines you do see hints um that there is interest coming from russia and there is interest coming from china so I think this is um, this is definitely like quite worrying, and I think a lot of my sources are quite worried as well that you know you're going to hand these nations over the baton. I don't know what information they're privy to that's kind of like made them especially worried, but um, I can confirm that is a key concern behind the scenes. Yeah, I want to I want to get the uh, their opposite view of that, but first I want to go back to um, you mentioned Tim Perchette. And um, he thought he had the House leader on his side. He actually has an interview where he says he's on board. We're going to get him. We're going to push this thing. But then he brings up the fact that they're going to do the Liz Cheney thing to him, that they're going to put somebody to oppose him in his district to kick him out. Uh, he is game over. And he actually says, I think they may get away with this. They may actually be able to do this. So uh, can you come? Have you heard anything more about that, whether um he's because they're basically putting him in his place that you know he's because he's one of the republicans and luna may be in the same trouble that she may be you know fighting for uh the the language to be put back in but if you're up against the head of the intelligence and armed services committee with power and in and tim says that you know this guy was in my district looking for somebody to run against me you realize that they're cleaning house have you heard anything more about whether Rochette's in trouble um, I've heard nothing on that, but let's see how it plays out in the next week or two. I've heard that um, that Congressman Mike Mike Johnson, um, the leader of the House, he's very very inexperienced, and um, you know he's very very easily led. But he's been very very easily led by Turner, um, from my understanding. Um, 
and, and by Rogers. So I, I think I think there's a situation where you know obviously I think that Tim Burchett will feel quite angry and upset and let down because obviously you know he he would not have this position as leader of the house if it wasn't for Burchett. Um, you know, and others basically rebelling against um, against the other house leader. So, um, I, I mean, yeah, it, it really, really does suck. But you know, you've got some you you've got some you've got some people there in the house who are very, very much for um, disclosure, and that includes Matt Gates as well, um, one of Burchett's colleagues. You know, one of the armed services um, uh, armed service member. Um, who's under um, that that committee, um, and you know he was the one who um, saw the UAP over the Gulf of Mexico, um, and went into the military base into um, Eglin Air Force Base <laughs> on the Panhandle of Florida, and um, he was the only one who was given access to um, see what happened. And uh, yeah, from my understanding, it was like an object um, floating above the water. And it seemed to potentially be docked with something. Um, but yeah, from what he saw, he was, you know, in his mind, it wasn't something of human technology, basically. But we've got some allies, but I just don't know if they're strong enough. It, it, what's the position now? Is is this language off the table or where are we at? Or is, is Because there's this uh, committee that's being held now. I didn't really realize there was this between the House and the Senate. Which, as you yeah. mentioned, it happens on on Thanksgiving weekend when nobody's looking. The same as when they shut Blue Book down, they shut it down the week before Christmas when all the reporters went home. And the same when they dropped the 2017 New York Times story that was dropped December 17th. Uh, so they're using this technique of doing it when nobody's sort of looking. Uh, but where where are we in terms of language? I mean, is is it out of this out of the Senate? This like some people are saying it passed the Senate. And it's not in the house. And what's the situation in terms of where are we, according to your sources, where are we at now? Is this is this game over, or are we still got some couple of battles to go in terms of uh, people talking on the floor and and arguing and stuff like that? Yeah. So what you've got is you've got a conference at the moment, which is basically negotiations between the Senate and the House. Um, so essentially, the Senate has its own version of the National Defense Authorization Act. And the house is the same version. So basically, you're putting, you're butting heads together, and you're saying, okay, let's have a joint version that we can go out with and get signed by the president of the United States. What remains in that language? What goes? How do we compromise on things? What do we trade? Um, so, so that's kind of what's going on at the moment. And it was the Senate version that had the the language on on UAP um, from Schumer around, and that was also coordinated as well with the White House. Um, you know, like you were saying, you know, the, these um, the, these people, as part of this review panel, they're they're appointed by by the president, basically. Um, and you know, there are some people who are very very naive, especially on Twitter, who don't believe the White House is involved. I can confirm to you that very very credible sources have told me that the White House was involved in this pro process, um, especially the president's national security advisor, uh, Jake Sullivan. Um, so the White House has had some part to play. You know, that's not me saying, oh, yeah, Biden's 100 percent in. He wants to do disclosure or anything like that. No, it's elements of his team um, within the White House who have helped coordinate this because you can't just put the insert the president within, you know, very, very significant UAP language without actually kind of like checking in first and saying, hey, uh, 
Joe, hi, Jake. Um, we put this language in. Is it okay to get the sign off before we go public and do a giant press release um, associating with this language? So, um, yeah, so so the process at the moment is basically um, finding a compromise between the two versions of the National Defense Authorization Act. But like I was saying as well, that there is still UAP language within the Intelligence Authorization Act, which comes from intelligence committees, um, which which is due to um, due to go through, um, and that that was proposed by um, by by the, the the Senate Intelligence Committee, and that language was published before the um, the Disclosure Act by by Schumer rounds. So it's not all bad, but yeah. I think it's kind of like the magic bullet was the disclosure wrap by Schumer. <laughs> yeah. And Schumer, Schumer wouldn't have done anything with the, without the authorization of the White House as well. And it's the same as when NASA goes forward. You don't, you don't just go make an announcement because you're, you're responsible to the Office of Science and Technology Policy, the science advisor to the president. You, people don't realize that none of this happens unless you've got approval. You just don't go in as a head of a department and start doing stupid things. Now, you mentioned um, the National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan. I'd heard that before, but you added one that I was wondering. I actually w contacted uh, James Fox and I said, hey, uh, you talked to uh, John Podesta. And John Podesta said he was going to talk to Biden. Uh, what's he saying right now? And he said, well, he doesn't talk by email. He said, next time I'm in, I'm in Washington, I'll talk to him. And then I think you're the one that brought up Podesta's name. Now, people may not know, Podesta has been working this for 30 years. Podesta's first attempt to get disclosure was 1995, an executive order that, they, that the Clinton put through on the fact that if a document was over 25 years old, you had to disclose it. You had to declassify it unless you had a really good reason. And I think they had 900 million pages of documents were released, but none of the UFO stuff came out. And so Podesta has been trying, and you remember his 2014 tweet where he said, once again, he, I, I tried to get disclosure, I couldn't get it. And he's been working, and I think you brought up his name. Do you, do you think he's playing a significant role in terms of pushing this issue because he knows how it works. I mean, he's he's been advisor, legal advisor to the president. He's been in, a chief of staff to the president. So you've heard that he's he's in the middle of this thing, right? Yeah, so um, yeah, like two or three, <laughs> sorry, two sources have told me um, that he is, he is involved in it. Obviously he's the president's energy czar at the moment. Yeah. Um, and but but he is kind of like getting involved in this topic as well, and it is something that he's still very very passionate about getting over the line. Um, look, we've only people don't forget, but like we we've got this one chance, you know, to do this, you know, um, properly, um, because there's elections next year, and Trump seems to be leading um, Biden at the moment when it comes to the opinion polls. Uh, so. I mean, if 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 Trump gets into the White House, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Um, if you listen to John Radcliffe, the former um, director of national intelligence, he was basically saying that um, they were trying to get this information out before Trump was gone. <laughs> In terms of all the UAP information, they were trying to declassify it. Uh, so, I mean, if that would have happened, that would have been uncontrolled disclosure. <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, I, I think all bets are off the table uh, when it comes to Trump. It's just unpredictable. I, I just wouldn't know what happens then. Obviously, okay. they obviously there is, there is some evidence to suggest uh, that they did want to release the UFO files before Trump left office. But 
gauging Trump's opinions, thoughts and ideas on this now, I, I just wouldn't know. But I mean, this is something I think people need to take into account because, you know, if this doesn't happen this year, it's going to be a lot more unpredictable if the Republicans gain power again, if Trump gains power again. So all bets are off the table then, you know, so yeah. it's, yeah. It's Although if, if, if you now have Republicans that are in the sort of the power of the corporations, Trump has already said he's going to drop the corporate tax rate from 21 down to 15 percent. He may just, you know, say, let them do what they want to do and 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 bury the thing again because uh, that's business. So um, you're, you're mentioned election and 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 the whistleblower, David Gresh, was the first to mention this. Now, do you know who he talked to? Because there was this he was sort of implying that he talked to somebody at the highest level. Then there's this rumor that he talked to Obama and then he may maybe talked to Biden. Have you heard this story of, of who did he actually talk to? No, obviously, um, on Joe Rogan, he was alluding to someone in very, very in a very, very high position that he had spoken to. And also he mentioned as well that Harry Reid had said that he was going to take this topic to um, to Biden. Uh, so Biden is definitely aware of of the issue. Um, but one wonders about the, um, you know, the mental capacity of Biden at the moment. You know, I. I you know, it's nothing political or anything <laughs> for me, you know. Like I'm sure that if I was in America, you know, I, I'd be a Democrat, definitely, and supporting the Democrats. But I mean, just seeing some of the the behavior of um of, of Biden at the moment it, it is quite concerning, and you do you do get concerned Although, for it. You, you got to consider he did win the 22, 20, 20 election as crippled as he was. He won the twenty two uh, midterm election, wiped them out, and he just won the last election. So it's like it's almost like Carter. When I refer to Carter, everybody thinks Carter did nothing. Carter was busy working the UFO issue, but it was the story that Bill Clinton told about the the Arkansas tar baby. It's the Arkansas tar baby. You don't touch it because you get stuck to it and you can't get rid of it. So you may you may look in the background. And you think he's not doing anything, which leads to this question about another thing. David Gresh brings up. He says, oh, we get it signed by Christmas, 90 days to make it middle of February, 300 days to make it the election. And he's sort of implying behind the, the scenes that this may be an election issue. What do you think? Do you think they can? Because if you take a look at the phones, I mean, I um, uh, Cheryl Costa was on uh, uh, Spaced Out Radio last night, and she was saying that she had a letter from Schumer that thanked her for seven years of, of working on the UFO issue. And she said she had written it for seven years. He didn't reply. And then at the end of seven years, he, he replied to her. And she said that it's the number one issue. And I think that could be true. Number one thing that people are phoning about. So it, do you think that they can make this an issue? And why are we negotiating? Because we, we're in this situation where like, we, we think, well, this is our chance that if we don't get this, then we all go back to watching Monday night football or soccer or whatever. I mean, do you think this thing's going to go away? I mean, the horse is out of the barn. It just gets more pressure and more more people interested and 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 it just gets revved up do you think this could be an election issue and and the thing that i always wonder about is the executive order do you think that there's a possibility that biden at the uh, just before the election says okay i'm going to put it in your court it's here's an executive order there's a nine person panel uh release the material and try to stop us do you do you think that, that this is going to be an election issue yeah, yeah. So, I mean, background behind that. So, I don't know if you were aware or not. You may have heard it from um, from, from some sources, uh, but I've had it confirmed by two sources that following the 
shoot down events in February, uh, the White House, uh, well, Jake Sullivan, was approached by a very, very senior person in the US military. Very, very senior. And the person basically spilled the beans and said, the US Air Force has been lying to you. Um, there, is, there are these secret UAP programs. You've not been told the truth. And that has really kind of like been part of the trigger, what, what, what has spurred this at the moment. Um, and that's why after the, the events that you saw in terms of February, the White House could like set up his own kind of like UAP um, group, although we've heard nothing about that since. Uh, but from my understanding, that was partially what has kind of like spurred this on. Um, and in terms of, um, I, I mean, in terms of this being an election issue, it's dependent. I mean, like, if, if the Schumer Amendment doesn't go through, I think you could potentially expect new whistleblowers to come forward, um, new revelations to come forward, um, which will force this topic into the limelight so it can't be ignored by anyone. Um, so I think there's a possibility of that happening. And um, in terms of the executive order, I don't know. I don't know. It, it just it just depends on the internal um, dynamics within the White House in terms of what they see is it's going to get them over the line in terms of the election. Okay, because you take a look at your article, it had 700,000 hits. I mean, this is a big topic. And the Republicans definitely, if they're going to block this on the wrong side of the issue, it's almost like the women's right to, to choose or uh, legalize cannabis. They're all, they always seem to be on the, the bad side of the issue where they're they're fighting upstream. To me, this looks like an absolute no-lose situation. I mean, how many people are, young people are going to say, yeah, okay, we're going to vote to keep it confidential. The, the contractors can do whatever they want, illegal, spend all this money and whatever. To me, it just looks like a no-brainer. And didn't David Gresh say that he was in a focus group? That he was part of a focus group? And that would be the thing they've got to be looking at a focus group and saying, is this an issue we can we can run on or, 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 or win? Because I, I can't see how you can how you can possibly lose. I mean, it's almost like you can see the Republicans losing every seat in the country. I mean, if, if you get this on the, the ballot, who's going to vote? Because if you look at your and I looked at all the comments, like on your article and stuff, there's a couple of people who came after you and were very critical. But most people were, were very positive. It's like you, the vote would probably 95 percent of people are positive and 5 percent are on the side of, yeah, let's keep them. Let's let the cover up continue and let them continue to lie to us. I mean, I, I just that's what sort of amazes me that you don't hear it. But it may be behind the scenes. They've got to be doing focus groups. They've got to be looking at this and seeing the phone coming off the hook. And, and that there's. That's that's that 900,000 uh, uh, tweet that Kate went out. And that was the one about phoning and said, phone, phone, phone. And people are, are inundating Schumer's office and uh, and uh, Round's office. And they, they've got to be known that, that, that this is a, a major thing that they can run on. Because to me, I can't see, I don't know about you, I just can't see that this thing's going to go away. I mean, even if they kill the, 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 the language in this bill, I mean, it's like the horse is out of the barn. It's like the, the, the they've spilt the milk and people are just, it just leads from one question to the next question to the next question. And I can't see people just giving up because you know what UFO people are like, they're down the rabbit yeah. hole. That's all they talk yeah. about. I mean, they're, they're obsessed with this and more and more people are starting to realize like we've been had, this is for real. This is, and now we sort of know almost like where the cockroaches are. Like we, we know where the crafts are now. We know who's got them. We know this is for real. 
it's sort of been confirmed. And uh, I, I just, to me, I, I just wonder uh, what's going to happen because it is election year and you keep hearing these rumors that this could be one of the things because what's it going to cost you? You're going to say, yeah, we're pro-disclosure. We want to reveal this. And uh, people, a lot of young people will go out and, and vote on that on that one issue. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, from my perspective, you know, like, it's very, very toxic towards me out there at the moment. You know, I, I'm, I'm religious. I'm someone. I've got primary reading epilepsy, and it makes language very, very difficult for me. So I'm just really happy just to be writing and basically uh, making it, making a change in this issue. You know, and um, pushing the ball forwards from my perspective. Um, and yes, I think in terms of this being uh, an election issue, in terms of how it will play. Look, when it comes to Republicans, and you've mentioned like the generational gap already, which is which is good. Um, I think what you're seeing is that you've got the old guard, basically, especially in the House of Representatives, old timers like like Turner, for instance. Um, but then you've kind of got this um this new guard, like um like Representative Luna, Representative Gates, uh, and they seem to kind of like be pro-Trumpers, you know. Um, uh, you know, you go on to um, Representative Luna's. Uh, Twitter page, you'll see her in a, in a jet with um, with Donald Trump, and you know it seems to be this new batch of Republicans. Although at experience, like I said, it seems to me that they may have Trump's ear. Let's say if he was to get in again, so you could potentially kind of like, you know, and you've got Tucker Carlson as well. Obviously, he's quite close to Trump, so you could potentially see a scenario whereby there are whispering in um, Trump's ear, saying, "Look, you've got to you've got to run on this. You've got to, you've got to mention this." You know. Um, especially if it does become more of a story, especially if we do hear about new shocking revelations in terms of UAP and disclosure and all the illegal activities. So I, I think, yeah, I think, I think there is something to that. And look, there are some very, very serious, reputable people, basically, um, who the public might know, um, who have been involved with these programs. And um, I think if those people were to come out, and basically say it's real i think that'd be quite quite a shock to some people you know and um let's hope maybe you know if we do find ourselves in a scenario where the shima language doesn't come through we can get kind of like those advocates coming out in public and um calling for more transparency because it's a joke if there's nothing to this uap topic you know we're talking about you know a bill here that would costs only a few million dollars compared to the whole national defense authorization act which is almost a trillion dollars you know and they're making such a big fuss about trying to oppose it that's because they don't want trans transparency that, that you're, you're basically in essence seeing politicians democratically um you know elected politicians saying we don't want oversight we don't want scrutiny we don't want to make sure that America is getting the truth. We don't want to see the world getting the truth. We don't want you to know what happens to your tax dollars. We're going to protect the special interests. Literally, that's what's happening. I mean, you, you elect these people <laughs> to basically have oversight. But um, it's quite scary, actually, because I think the same applies to my country, that a lot of the elected um, people in power, they have no oversight of defence and intelligence agencies for the most part. And a lot's hidden from them. You get these permanent people, deep state people, basically, who've hold the power for quite a long time, and they just see the elected officials as temporary employees. People aren't to be not to be trusted. People who go to um, parties to raise money, um, people who go for the photo opportunities. But when it comes to kind of like 
doing the real stuff <laughs> behind power um you know these are the guys who get it all done these are the guys who make decisions now one of the things i wanted to bring up because you mentioned this thing about russia and china and and i put an article out maybe a week ago and pe people didn't react very well to it is the idea that putin and 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 this idea about that they're sitting in the background laughing because we're about to expose where the crafts are, who's working on the crafts. And if you remember, uh, Lekatsky said he didn't think that they had infiltrated the CIA, but he thought they had infiltrated uh, the OSAP program, that some of the 50 people that Bigelow hired were Russian people, that that this this fear. And, and I think I think it maybe it was at the Seoul conference or I just saw it this morning. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Aston is trying to undermine Schumer's UAP amendment, telling anybody who will listen that it will hurt national security. And so I'm starting to wonder, based upon my experience, whether this is actually approved, whether they actually got the thing. And I'll, I'll give you some examples. Um, uh, Lekatsky said when he when he when he was in the program and he ran the OSAP program, he said he did not see any illegality, he just saw very high security. When we were dealing with Dr. Eric Walker in the 1980s, he knew exactly what was going on. He was former president of Penn State University, chairman of the board of the biggest institute, uh, the, the biggest think tank, military think tank in the United States. When we talked to him, he said, why should we change the rules to satisfy your curiosity? And when he said that, I thought to myself, rules? He's, he's saying there's rules to this, that, that this thing is being run by, by rules. The other one that comes up, and then you, you have the Secretary of Defense saying, you know, not to... Um, um, not not to release this thing. And you talked to the Lockheed spokesman and the Lockheed spokesman said, questions about UAP are best addressed by the US government. We comply with all regulatory requirements, which again indicates does, is it the eight guys? Because, and, and Reed talked about in 2009, when Reed wrote the letter to, uh, for the OSAP program to move it, what was he moving it to? He was moving it to the highest level uh, SAP program. So he said, I had access to the material. No, I didn't have access to the material, but I knew it was going on. And that would be Gang of Eight, which is the, the waived special access program, unacknowledged access program. You're told it's for, you told the program exists, but you don't have any details on it. So what does Reed do? He takes the, try to take OSAP and put it into this, this waived access program, almost like you're going to fund the thing. And so the, the thing I always wonder about is, maybe this thing is actually being funded and what they're trying to hide is how much money they're getting and their success because they're they'll, they'll basically say we don't want to give the russians what we're doing we don't want to indicate even when lakatsky was asked about when he said we've got a craft and we've been inside the craft then jeremy corbell asked him well, what was in, what the inside of the craft said and he, ha he said i have to write that down and get it approved almost like the the fact and he said if you knew what was inside the craft you would know that the, what we're talking about here is totally primitive. And this is goes to this quote that I made of Danny Sheehan when he's talking to this, this guy. And I had people that talked to me who had flown the craft that told this story, whereas the inside of the outside of the craft is 30 feet across and you go inside the craft and it's the size of a football stadium. And that was one of the whistleblowers talking to Danny Sheehan. And the fact that time and space didn't exist and he thought he was in there for two minutes and he was in there for four hours and all this kind of stuff, that this is so far advanced that the, the the military people, it may be the way it looks like to me is that they may actually have this thing funded and it's the highest level security 
and you can't expose the program because the Russians are going to sit there and just take notes and say, thank you very much. And, and, and they know exactly where to put the satellites. They know exactly which company to infiltrate, exactly which building the crafts are in. And what do you think about that? The, the fact that with this may thing actually may be funded at this very, very high level and, and, and people are trying to protect this, this fact that in the Canadians in 1950 already said that. In the Canadians in 1950, and I mentioned this memo, and nobody ever talks about the memo. They said, we were told by American officials, not people on the street, American officials, flying saucers exist. It's the most highly classified subject in the United States, rated two points higher than the hydrogen bomb, which in 1950, it was 1952 when they detonated the first hydrogen bomb. They were still working on a hydrogen bomb. He said it was higher than that. This highest level classification. That What do you think? That this this thing may all have the money that this money is going into this pr these these programs, huge amounts of money, and that it what happens is the Russians will find out, the Chinese will find out what we got, and the 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 stock price is going to plummet because everybody's going to realize that you know they're going to cut off the money, they're they're getting trillions of dollars, or even Burchett didn't Burchett say half of the 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 Pentagon budget is unaccounted for? This idea that the money's all disappearing, it's going down some rat hole somewhere, and and we got to figure it out. Are they protecting the money or are they protecting the secret? Yeah, sixth year in a row, I believe, Pentagon's failed its audit. Uh, yes, I would add as well, as reported by Michael Schellenberger, it seems that Lloyd Austin does oppose disclosure. Uh, Lloyd Austin also being former Raytheon. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I think in terms of this, I think um, at first it seemed that, and now when we talk about Lockheed Martin, by the way, I mean, we're not talking, like, like the US government, we're not talking about one entity that sings with the same voice, you know, um, all in tune with each other. Um, we're talking about many different factions with different positions. I believe that 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 I did believe that part of Lockheed did want this information out. Um, I do believe that one vice president, perhaps Robert Weiss, um, uh, was trying to get more people cleared for this program. And that could be related to, to ORSAP. Um, but he was basically given the middle finger by the DOD saying, no, you can't put back in your place. Um, and it failed. And then a few years later, Tom DeLonge was approached. <laughs> well, not approached, but he went up to Lockheed. Um, yeah. So I, I, think that, I think that's really, really interesting. Um, it seems at the moment, perhaps, that Lockheed's position has changed. But I don't see how it's going to work because you can throw as much money as you want at this. But unless you can get enough talented engineers and scientists cleared to work on this, by the way, many whom are now actually going to SpaceX and, you know, call the companies, um, well, then you're screwed because China can get a lot more people working on this um, and keep it a secret because it's, you know, it's a closed state, basically. Yeah. Um, and Russians may be similar, but although, although I'd say Russia's in a, in a difficult position about because um, the caliber of scientists and engineers um, is going down, downhill due to the Russian educational system. Um, so they may not have as many experts who could help work on this now. And as we know as well, although China may be able to get a lot more people to work on this, you know, they've had a lot of issues with, um, you know, some of their next generation fighter jets, for instance, you know, so we don't really know how much expertise they have. So that's why I say that it's maybe in everyone's interest to kind of like have partial disclosure, at least, so they could get more people on board to work on these crafts. Because as, as I said, you know, 
if you don't have the right people working on this and if you don't have enough people who have got talent, who've got the know-how to work on it, then you're not going to get anywhere, no matter how much money you throw at it. Yeah, because that, that is, you mentioned uh, Weiss bringing Tom DeLong in there. And that's the other thing that always makes me wonder is they actually fed him. I, I, I'm writing it up in Beyond Managing Magic, where I talk exactly how it happened, that Tom DeLong didn't find the people, they found him. They, they led him from one person to another and set up these people and stuff like that. But you remember the Lockheed, the guy that talks to him, and he said, you may be disappointed to find that in the end, what you're going to find is a bunch of men in suits standing in the dark around an elephant. And this idea that we have no clue what's going on here. This thing is the, the whole thing. It's the size of a football field inside and, and outside it's 30 feet across. And uh, so they were sort of leaking that. That's always makes me wonder. And, and that's what I was told in 2016. And this comes to Podesta, this idea that 2016, I was told clearly, and I put it in Managing Magic in February of 2017, that I was, t- was told that, that by the big man in Washington, that they are going to High-level people are going to come forward and they're going to say UFOs are, exist and they're going to force disclosure. And that's exactly what happened. The New York Times article and all that kind of stuff where they sort of um, uh, put it out. And going back to this Lockheed thing, where did these three guys go? Did you ever track these guys? I call them the three kings that were the, the McCary, McCaslin, and Weiss. Did you ever try to track these guys where they were? Because here is these guys having conversations meetings with John Podesta on disclosure. And when John Podesta phones up Tom DeLong and says, come to Washington, this is extremely important. I need you to fly here right away. And they they start this whole operation. And it's like, so you get this sort of thing, they're covering it up. And at the same time, they're sort of leaking the stuff and they're they're putting this material to telling Tom DeLong what's going on. And they're and 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 then you get to the crafts. I mean, uh, something I wanted to ask you about was the 12 crafts. You talked about the 12 crafts and the six that had landed. So Every, when I heard um, Lakatsky talk about it, that they had the craft, everybody says, what was it like? And I'll say, and it's like, nobody asked the big question. Where did you get the craft from? Like, what's the deal? It's almost like the intelligence is dropping this stuff, almost like the guy from from uh, Tim Taylor talks about the gifting field. And and Bigelow said the same thing. I think they're I think they're seeding them around the world to different countries. And so uh, the, the the six crafts, you, you you got that or how did you get the thing about the six crafts that had landed? Because that seems to be the, the breadcrumb. Like, why does a, a UFO drop from 80,000 feet down to sea level? They're showing off. They're, 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 they're leading us. They're sort of moving us down the road. They're showing us what's going on and whatever and making us think and making us figure it out for ourselves. But six crafts that that, that are intact that actually land and there's nobody in the craft and, and we pick up these crafts. Is is that is that what you got? Was the, there's twelve crafts, or was that coming from from uh, uh, David David Grush? I I I I you know what, what I I believe I believe that's true. It's quite unnerving if they if they just um, land. Um, I would also point out as well. I I do believe that we're dealing with multiple intelligences. It's not just one, and I figure that they know who some of the intelligences are however others they don't and they don't know what their intentions as well which is quite unnerving which is partially why they don't want this out because it would scare people okay but then look at talk about Lukatsky. what do you think about what Lukatsky said Two hundred thousand sightings in the uh, in the osap file every single one was different and i say every single ufo every alien is different you start comparing put one grade another grade they say the grades and you start comparing like whitley strieber's gray to bed andreas's gray to uh, hill's gray they're not even close they're not even the same 
And then I looked at my sky pilots at 36 people claimed they'd flown the craft. And I, I went back and I went, holy shit. One touched the panel, one touched the ball, one touched a, uh, 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 a, a beehive type thing. Nobody did the same thing. The craft was alive. They had became one with the craft. They touched the craft, but everybody was doing a different thing. It was like a, like a, a dream experience where they, they had a dream, but what was happening in the dream was, was different for all these 36 people. And so to me that, you know, I, I just sort of find it fascinating and, and wondered, uh, you know, your, your take on this, even if you talk to different types, something that I didn't know you were into. And I, I'm, I'm eventually going to do a book because I've now got a confirmation that my good friend, Bob Emmeniger is dead. And I knew Bob better than anybody. Nids actually came after me for Bob Emmeniger. They were trying to figure out the story, the whole Holloman Air Force Base story. Then the, the the one guy talks to two presidents and they get confirmed. This is a real story. You got it. What did you, what did you get about Bob Emmeniger, this story about Holloman? Because um, I've got a lot of material on. I talked to Bob extensively about this and about the second film that they still have in their possession and stuff. So what did you hear about about the the whole thing about the Holloman um Air Force Base story. Yeah, I, I got confirmation from very, very sources in a very, very good position that this was that it was real. It was a real event. But the thing is, like when you start kind of um, <laughs> taking it apart, I think you start getting some very, very interesting questions and scenarios um, that play out. So, um, so for instance, you know, um, who met with them? You know. Obviously, some some people from U.S. Air Force. Um, what do they talk about? <laughs> okay, were any agreements signed? What what did they say? What was the next action? Um, has communications been kept between this this species? I don't want to call them non-human because I mean, some people would speculate that we're talking about our ancestors, perhaps um, an ancient type of human. So. Um, it, it throws up all kinds of questions. It, it, are we in communications with another intelligence, basically, whether it be it non-human or you know ultra-terrestrial or crypto-terrestrial? I, I, I think that you know if this is correct, and I'm being told that it was in terms of this event, you have to ask yourself: Are we in contact? with various intelligences, including this one at the moment. And if so, who holds that contact? Um, and I think that's, that's a very, very interesting That changes question. everything. And, and one of the things, I, I don't know if you know the story, Bob told me when I said to him, I said, Bob, you know, if it weren't for the location and the time, because he had a lot of details. At six o'clock in the morning, there was four different cameras. One was in the air in a helicopter. They knew it was coming and they put the eight seconds of film. They're allowed by the Pentagon to put eight seconds of the film into the the, uh, the documentary that they did from the Holman uh, shot, they had the film and stuff like that. And then I said to him, you know, Bob, if it weren't for the location and the time of day, this is exactly the close encounters of the third guy. And he said, why, I didn't tell you? I said, no, you didn't tell me what? He said, I didn't tell you, you gave a copy to Steven Spielberg? I said, no, you didn't tell me that. So he, the documentary is 1975, Close Encounters comes out in 1977. He said, I told you, Annie Spielberg, Steven's sister worked for me. She was a line producer for us on our production company. And I said, oh, and he said, realizing that they're dropping this stuff. But that that is a key one that sort of changes everything. I mean, if they've actually got this contact, then you get yeah. this idea that we are being given stuff and that uh, that may be what they're trying to protect is, is all these really deep secrets. And yet they leaked it. So you got two high level guys tell you the story. Uh, Bob tells the story and he's he, he's getting it from 
from Paul Shardle, who's the security manager, and the story about the live alien. He was given the story about the live alien, and he said, oh, that was garbage. I said, well, you know, who told you? He said, Paul Shardle. I said, was he, was he a, a, a clean guy? He said, yeah. And I said, well, then he told you the, the live alien story. And he went, yeah, that's true, you know. And that was the thing. They, they, you know, they, he said they signed a contract in the Pentagon. Now, he's dead. Now, I don't know if we can recover the files. He signed a contract with the Pentagon for the Holloman Air Force Base story film and the film, the, all that stuff. He said it was a straight out contract. It wasn't like a secret deal. It was it was a, a deal where he was hired by the Pentagon. So uh, I just find that fascinating that you're in. And the, so the question comes down to why are people telling us these things? It's almost like like they, they're bringing the cat, they're bringing Tom DeLonge in, they're giving him stuff. Bill Moore was given stuff. They were leaking documents in the 1980s. Uh, Bob Emmenegger was brought back in the 1980s, but in Reagan, he was brought back in. They said, oh, they liked that documentary in the 1970s about channeling the alien at the Pentagon, uh, at the CIA and all these kind of stories. They want you to do another one. And he talks the story going to the base where the general says, get all the UFO film out. We're giving it to Heineck, get it all out. And the security manager wouldn't pull the film. And you start wondering like, what, uh, what's, so it's like there's a cover up, but then there's there's this there's a, a a leaking as well, and yeah, it was surreal. It was really really surreal because we had a gear shift basically. So you know, my sort my my sources, I I, I trust them one hundred percent. You know, um, there is there is good as you can get in terms of sources because yeah. I, I was the person who broke the fact that it was going to be a, a NASA UAP study. Um, I was the person who first broke the news that we could expect. Um, congressional hearings led by um, Representative Andrew Carson, um, and and this is because I I had such good sources basically, um, and then I started to hear new information that look there are things such as crash retrieval programs, you know there there are reverse engineering programs. This is real, and it's all going to start coming out in the next few months. You're going to start hearing people talk about it. And for me, it was a real gear shift because we're talking about seeing things in the sky that we had no idea what they were. Could be drones, could be, you know, surveillance mechanisms of some kind, could be could be anything, or it could be potentially non-human intelligence. So having that conversation to going on to like, you know, reverse engineering programs, retrieval programs and contact, I mean, that was a real shock to me. Um, you know, I come at this from a British perspective as well. And, um, you know, one of my favorite stories was um, to Peter Horsley, who worked for Prince Philip. Um, he was an RAF veteran, fought in World War II, um, highly decorated. And uh, Prince Philip, he was basically Prince Philip's go-to guy to get information about what's happening with the UAP um, situation um, or UFOs, <laughs> I suppose. And, um, you know, what had the RAF seen that week? what's the latest sighting, what's the latest information. So that was all being fed to um, Prince Philip by Sir Peter Horsley. And in one day, uh, someone from the British Army basically approaches Sir Peter Horsley saying, look, I know that you're investigating this stuff at the moment. Um, I would like to introduce you to someone. I'm actually in contact with a non-human being. And Sir Peter Horsley thinks that someone's basically having a laugh at him. And he decides to go along anyway to this meeting with this person called Janice, this non-human, and, um, you know, he thinks at the very least it'll be a good story to tell, they can have a laugh about it, and um, he basically goes to this house in Chelsea, which is um, West London, and um, he sees this very, very well-dressed young man, and um, he thinks, okay, well, this obviously is not an alien <laughs> of any kind, and um, he goes and sits down and um, he said that it was the strangest encounter I've ever had in my life because 
he's got a bunch of questions in his head that he's going to ask Janice. But before he can ask them, Janice is already answering the question before he could even speak. It's kind of like he can read his mind. And he said the most frightening thing about the encounter was that Janice seems to know all of Britain's nuclear secrets. Now, Sir Peter Horsley wrote about that in his autobiography. And um, after serving in Prince Philip's household, he went on to be vice air marshal within the RAF. You know, someone who was basically in control of nuclear deterrent of the United Kingdom. So, and that happened after this incident, you know, so he obviously wasn't treated as someone who was mad. And I, I just find those encounters very, very um, interesting and disturbing as well, because, you know, we've all had um, the phrase that, you know, they're, they're walking among us. And um, yeah, it, it's yeah, quite unnerving. Just, just a point on that, I think it was 1954, which was the same year that the Canadians opened a UFO base at Suffield, Alberta, a no-fly zone um, army base. They opened it for UFOs to land. And we went back already in the 1970s, went after Paul Hellyer, who told the story in 1967 at a speech. And he said, I don't remember giving the speech. I, don't, I didn't write the speech. I didn't give it. And I really don't know anything about it. But 1954 was when they built this, this base for UFOs to land. And I kept asking uh, Paul Hellyer, well, how, how did the UFOs know where to land? They had to know where to land. I mean, somebody had to be in contact. And he said, well, yeah, I really don't know. And we know it was the guy that ran the Canadian government program. And 54 was also the landing, supposedly, at Edwards Air Force Base with with Eisenhower meeting with the beings. All happened in the same year. And then you wonder, like, you know, are we getting help? Are we, you know, are they sort of guiding us and stuff like that, leaving these little breadcrumbs? And and even your your sources, what do your sources say? Like, like why are they, if they know there's a, a program and it's illegal, why are they talking to you? Why are they talking to me? Why are they, why are they putting this stuff out if they're in this position in terms of this being illegal? Or are they told to come and tell us these kind of things? Yeah, I think in terms of uh, journalists, it's very, very difficult to actually trust many journalists, especially within the established news media. Um, the Grush story, they had extreme difficulty potentially getting that in the New York Times, the Washington Post. And um, it's just very, very difficult approaching seasoned defence journalists who rely on the Department of Defence for their next story um, to report on this topic because they may lose their contact with the DOD for reporting on it. And there's all kinds of other interests like tied up within it. And then also you have to convince the journalists that this is something that's a real issue. And, you know, people are difficult, you know, <laughs> especially many journalists. So you basically need to approach a journalist who actually knows enough information, knows enough about the topic that you can approach. And you don't have to persuade them that this is real. Um, that That's certainly my experience. And um I mean, yeah, they are looking for, for, for outlets, basically, to get this information out. Um, and as I said before, you know, like, I, I know these sources, I trust them. They've always provided me good information in the past. And um, I can I can vouch for them um, 100 percent. And um, have, you, have you asked them whether this is illegal? Because that, that's the thing that question I question is, is it legal or is it is it been set up right from the word go? With this highly compared, have you asked actually asked them, is this illegal, or why are you talking to me, or because uh, the the Tom DeLong thing doesn't make sense. If it's illegal, Lockheed's running this illegal program and all this kind of stuff. Why are they talking to Tom DeLong? Why are they helping Tom DeLong? And uh, you know, it, it, that's a part that sort of is curious to me. 
Yeah, from my understanding, it is illegal, which is why you had this UAP amnesty language within the... Um... But that's the Senate, though. That's the, the the politicians who may not know what's going on. So they, they want these assurances where, you know, you, you, you may, even if they give the thing where they you get to keep the material and, and you get amnesty and stuff like that. But um, the, the politicians may not know what's going on. I mean, the people that are that are writing the 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 bill. Although Schumer would know. I mean, if Schumer's one of the eight uh, guys that gets told sort of oversight, and Congress would, if one dime is spent, the idea is if one dime is spent of taxpayer money, they have oversight. And it, it's just so like there's this, um, I don't know, it's, it's me, it just puzzles me in terms of uh, uh, why Lockheed would help if it's illegal, why are they exposing themselves to this sort of, because uh, you know, their stock, I looked at their stock, it's $450 a, a, a share and it hasn't really moved. So it hasn't dropped, it hasn't gone up or down. But you remember when Trump came and Trump said the F-35 jet fighter was way overpriced, the stock just plummeted, just went straight down. And you can see what can what can happen, that it's a very sort of touchy issue and they want everything to stay the same. So let me ask you just to, to finish, because I've, I've taken a lot of your time. What do you think is going to happen? You, you've maybe gotten some input after the article, people talking to you. Where do you think it's going to go? Is this is this game over? Are we going to have another round next year? Is election? What's your best guess as to how this thing all unravels? Because you seem to be at the front of it and you've got a lot of people listening to you. So I think your word is important as to uh, what your sources are telling you and what you think is going to happen. Expect fireworks. They're not going to go down without a fight. Yeah. They're not going to go down without a fight. Expect fireworks. Expect a lot of new stories to break especially if the schumer amendment doesn't go through um th yeah. there's a lot of um there's a lot of stuff that's gone down um a lot of shady stuff uh pay attention to um people like stephanie o'sullivan um who used to serve within the odni um uh, now serving um in patel uh used to be cia as well science oh. Technology directorate. Uh, she um, she allegedly has information about these programs. Had a conversation with Ruby about it and lied, completely lied to his face, basically saying she had no knowledge. Um, I think stories like that are very very important. You're talking about a lot of people in high positions who are compromised. Yeah. <laughs> and. Um, as a journalist, you know, and, you know, especially someone with a family, you know, I've got two kids and I've got a wife and, uh, you know, you're, you're dealing with some very, very serious people here. Very, very serious people. Um, and it, it's it's difficult, you know, this isn't fun for me. Yeah. This isn't fun for me. I'm, I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do, not because it's fun. I get plenty of abuse, you know, it takes up a lot of my family time. I could be doing other things, you know, and, um, this is really serious stuff. And like I said, I'm doing it because it's the right thing. You know, I want I want my son to remember me as someone, you know, my daughter to remember me as someone who did the right thing, who tried to help humanity. And um, that's why I do what I do to make the world a better place, you know, but it's not fun. But um, yeah, you've, you've, been, you've, that's, you've, you've gotten a lot of success. I mean, you've moved like nobody. I mean, I've been in this since 75 and most of the time there's nothing happening. And then suddenly you see these things with a million people watching and phones jammed. And, and so you're at the you you've cracked this thing. I want to ask you because you mentioned this before about the threat. 
I've been in this 48 years and I've, I've been threatened by UFO researcher. I've never been threatened by the government. And I went after Ron Pendolfi. I went after Kid Green. I went after the president of the United States and I talked to the vice president and stuff like that. And so let me ask you, do you, do you, do you actually, have you actually gotten a threat from somebody in terms of, um, or, cause we know everybody's being watched, but have you ever gotten a, a threat in terms of, cause to me, it's like the more public you are, which I appreciate that you do. I think the safer you're going to be. It's like, if they get you to shut up, then it's only you and them who know what you know. And if you disappear, nobody knows what happened. But whereas if, you, if you're talking all the time, I think people even have that thing is the safest way is to, is to, to put your stuff out so that you're not exposed in terms of just you and them knowing what's going on. Have you, have you gotten a threat or are you, I know it's, it's a stressful situation. You take a lot of abuse and I see even now, I mean, abuse, you know, I've seen some of the comments, most of them are positive, but then you start seeing the comments, you know, uh, Chris is, means well, but he's being used and you're going to get all that Bill Moore stuff, you know, that they're, they're feeding you false material or whatever. But in terms of the threat, I was interested because I've never in 48 years ever gotten the threat, except I got refused Homeland Security into the United States. But other than that, I've never really had any trouble. Yeah, I mean, on the abuse, you get all sorts of abuse. Obviously, my, my, my wife is Asian, you know, and received an email before and other messages, basically like racism, <laughs> racist yeah. comments towards my wife. It's terrible. Um, in terms of threats, not direct threats, but I've been made aware of the threats. I've been made aware that all my calls, all my messages are being, being uh, monitored. Um, and it's just kind of like, I, I guess you're in a situation when, when you're reporting on these stories, when you're pushing the boundaries, you're thinking, okay, when I put out this story, what's going to happen? What's going to happen when I put out this story? You know, who am yeah. I going to upset? What are they going to do? Yeah. And you get yourself in the situation. It's like, gosh, I can't really look forward to Christmas now because I'm putting out this story and um, I don't know who I'm going to upset. I don't know what they're going to do. And, yeah. um, you know, you hear now as well about intelligence agencies um, using social media platforms and stuff to rile up the mob and stuff like that against you. And there's all sorts of things that they can use basically to make your life horrible. Um, so there's that added dimension to it as well. Um, it's it, it it's it's tough, Grant. It really, really is tough for me. And um, I, I do find it difficult. But look, I, I'm going to keep on going. Um, like I said, I want to make the world a better place, you know. And um, uh, I, th I think we're going to get there as long as we keep on pushing, pushing new ground. Yeah, I appreciate what you do. And uh, I, I know what the, the abuse thing is like. And it's sort of like that's the thing of being famous. You're almost like famous in the UFO field now in terms of getting this huge audience, like an independent, like a writer. You're not working for a major newspaper or anything. And to get this kind of uh, attention and it's just like it picks up more and more every hour. So, I mean, you're at that and uh, whatever I can do to support you, I, I will do because uh, you're I'm, I'm honored to talk to you and to to know that somebody's moved it because I've been in this since 75. And I can tell you the last five or six years has just been unbelievable. I never thought this was going to happen. And uh, and and people like you that have sort of moved this along where when you start getting a million people reading an article we are at the verge of, of, of some revelation because as you said, people aren't just going to walk away from this thing. They, they are going to, they can maybe delay it for five or six months or push it down the road a little bit, but there's no way you're going to stop this story. Now it is, 
in, in fact, now we know where everything is and we know who's involved and stuff like that. And there's been indirect confirmations. And so keep going, do what you do, what you do and uh, whatever I can do to help you. I'm, I'm honored to, to have young people like you that are, that are involved in this thing, because it used to just be us old people until the, the New York times article came, then all these young people started to appear and started to do stories. But before that, it was all us old timers. We wondered, well, what are we going to do when we're gone? You know? And, and so it is, it is resolved by people like you who uh, are taking the ball and running with it. So thank you very much for what you do. Well, that, that means so much to me, especially coming from yourself and someone who I looked up to. So thank you so much for coming on and um, both. thank you so much for having me. Sorry, uh, it's been a long day. And yeah. um, look, Pandora's box has already been opened. Beautiful. You've got another article coming, hopefully. Can you give a little hint of you got you got another bombshell coming or? um let's just say i've been very very stressed um for the past few weeks and um wow let's see what comes from that <laughs> there you go well it was again it was an honor to talk to you and thank you very much and have a good day and hopefully we can talk again soon i'll uh sort of touch base with you with stuff i hear and i'll be watching very carefully what you're posting because uh major article uh probably the article of the last 10 years you you've gotten so beautiful Thank, Thank you. you so much, Grant. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Thank you again, Grant. That really means a lot. Okay. Let me stop the recording here. <laughs>